Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm Justin, he's John, and we're two weeks away from training camp, baby. Boy, this was a long off season, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. FIBA's over, John, and uh, worst, uh, worst performance for the Americans ever, ever, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it's worse than 2002. First time they've lost two games in a row since 2002. Uh, that was the, the infamous Paul Pierce team with George Carl. Um, that was an awful situation uh, all around, and a whole lot of stuff from that dogged Pierce really until 2008. Uh, it was a, there were some trying times. You know, 2004 had a real rough go in the, in the, in the Olympics, Obviously, the Argentina team won the gold. We got the bronze. Um, you know, and 2006 actually wasn't a great run either, and that was the first time with, you know, some guys. It, I think, you know. But this the, is the weakest level matter. of participation. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't no, matter. I, it's the weakest yeah. level of participation since they let the right. pros do it, right? I mean, obviously, right. there was a stretch where just the kids in college could play and all that. And that makes sense. You know, inexperience and youth goes up against some of these teams that have, you know, lifers in foreign leagues and uh, experience playing alongside each other, et cetera. It's almost like an institution, uh, at least FIBA is, you know, and uh, the national pride for these other countries. So you can understand that. But definitely some slippage. Jason Tatum doesn't end up playing uh you know, after suffering a pretty bad ankle twist. And Marcus Smart didn't finish it out either. And uh, he was dealing with, what was it, quad and, and calf issues? They kind of yeah. they, Why didn't they just say the entire leg? That, that was kind of funny to well, me. I, th- yeah, I think he had something on his hand, too. Like, you know, I mean, typical Smart fashion. You know, he's got 800 different injuries. And, you know, he's making winning plays. And... I, he played great. I don't care, man. You know, like, look. Oh, sure he did. When he played, he was exactly what you expect from him in a competitive environment. And I think Jalen probably benefited the most out of anybody, out of those guys. I mean, he showed that he can he can guard up a level when the, when the team needs him. Uh, he, re- he rebounded well. He defended pretty well. Almost uh, didn't make know, the roster. Almost didn't make the roster, yeah. And sh- I think he showed better than some of the, his more uh, celebrated uh, players who played with him. You know, I thought Chris Milton was up and down. Uh, Joe Harris kind of, you know, what are you getting there? Derek White, hmm. You know, I, I thought it was it was a team that wasn't as talented, certainly, as, as prior teams. And that showed you know, these teams, these European teams, the Serbian team, the Spanish team. I mean, you look at the core of that Spanish team, Rubio, Gasol, Rudy Fernandez. I mean, those are guys who have been playing together for decades. You know, and this this team of NBA players really met six weeks ago. And no matter what we do until – you know, that things change, and it really it isn't. It's never going to change. The only way that we can win, as we now have an NBA uh, MVP who is from Greece, a uh, defensive That's player where I was from going. France. That's I mean, where I was going. You, look, the at, best you players. look at the Greek performance, and, you know, that, that says a lot about – it's a totally different style of play, and I know we're going to talk about the interview with Brad Stevens on the Good and Plenty podcast, but – you know, it's interesting because that's what he was talking about the most was the coaching 
And obviously, you know, the way that they call it and the influence from a lot of the foreign leagues coming out in FIBA, you know, is a big part of it. And I think it's just good for these young guys on our team, not necessarily Kemba as much, but the young guys on the team to be able to experience some of those differences because the NBA is all about adjustments. And this is something else that Brad talked about on that podcast was very much about how there's just no practices during an NBA season. And so you have to learn from film, et cetera. You can almost count this as practices because I'm sure there are strategies that they were able to work in under pop that maybe Brad Stevens really hadn't tried to implement last season for the Celtics that maybe he'll put some wrinkles in that they've gotten that additional experience. Cause you can basically count that as what, like an extra 40 practices between practices and games and, mm-hmm. and scrimmages ahead of time, if not 40, definitely 30. So that's a nice uptick. I think he said on the podcast, they only have 57 practices in a year leading up to, uh, I think he said game seven of the Easter conference finals or something in that quote. So, uh, you know, you add, you add 30 to 57. That's pretty substantial run. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that was actually a criticism of the team USA. You know, Windhorse had an article where he said, you know, that they didn't practice enough and that, you know, really hurt their ability. But, you know, Pop is trying to balance the fact that these guys have multi-million dollar contracts they're setting on and with the potential of, of you know, getting nine-figure contracts. Where you look at Jalen Brown or guys like Joe Harris and guys who are, who are free agents to be, you know, and Pop has their future in his hands. And so he's got to be judicious about how hard to work these guys versus the benefits of, of what you get for that practice time. And so, you know, look, I'm disappointed. Sure. Uh, is it the worst thing in the world? Does it end the careers? No, but I think, I hope that we take a lesson from 2002 and not, you know, go overboard with this. The, the rest of the world has gotten better. And if we don't send our best, and the way that our system of basketball is run, it's very difficult for us to compete into that scenario. It's just the way it is. So, um, look, I'm, I'm disappointed, but I look at the value for, of the Celtics guys and what they got out of that experience. And I saw Jalen Brown, who accepted a role, who did what he could within the confines of that system, showed the ability to, to make plays at an even higher level than what we saw last year. Uh, and... I think that bodes well for the Boston Celtics in 2020. That's the real question. Can these guys accept a role and fit in amongst each other? And at least for a FIBA tournament where, you know, gold is on the line and and all that's on the line, Jalen Brown did that with flying colors. Yeah, no, he definitely did do a great job. And he finished out, I mean, he accepted a role and wound up being one of the higher road players last season after having a, a heck of a performance. So the last thing I want to do is heap expectations on anybody on this team, especially heading into this year. But at the same time, you got to throw you got to throw some expectations on Jalen Brown. Year four, that's going to be something we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks. Contract, you know, traditionally we just haven't seen the Celtics make a move there, so it's hard to believe, and it's it'll be hard to believe that Jalen's getting any sort of advice from an agent that says that he should sign an extension that's a more affordable deal at this point because you got to think that the Celtics are buying low in that scenario just based on him coming off the bench last year, the down year, et cetera. And, you know, he's got a season where he's probably going to be featured more predominantly. So the upside goes up, you would think. Not necessarily, not a guarantee, but 
I think this is going to go away of the normal Celtics process, which is let's wait till next summer and see what the market dictates. But certainly it's something we'll be watching. And, uh, yeah, if he plays that well there, then can he, can he take that and can he bring it to this year? Because to, to your point, I don't even really care about the FIBA stuff. Like, I'm not invested in it. I bet if I lived in one of those other countries and the smaller they get and the more upstart they get, that whole underdog factor, yeah, I would care. I'm not diminishing FIBA at all and its importance in the global uh, sense of uh, basketball. And especially, I think it's a, a great statement on what you said. I remember when we started this nearly 15 years ago, we were talking to people in Italy and Australia, and we, we loved that. And so the global impact and importance of it, I'm not diminishing at all. So when I say I don't care about it, I mean I don't care about American dominance in it. Yeah, I mean I care about it in that how it plays for the Celtics. Um, and I want USA to win because I'm an American and I'm patriotic and, you know, all that. But, you know, it doesn't – it's not going to ruin my summer. Uh, but you're not you invested know. in it like you are the Celtics. Oh, absolutely right? not. No, and I don't, I don't think any, – And if that anything, that Greek, game, that Greek game was kind of fun, but it was fun because of what it represented in the NBA. Absolutely. And that context, not because of what it represented right. in the global sense. It's It's, you know – I'm a soccer fan. Uh, I follow Barcelona. I'm a big fan. You know, I, I like Messi and those guys, um, you know, and that's that's the club that I root for, right? Uh, but when it comes to the World Cup, you know, I don't really have an allegiance. I want USA to do well when they make it. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for Brazil. I'm kind of rooting for Neymar. And, you know, for, for Argentina, I'm obviously I'm rooting for Messi. And France, uh, you know, I'm rooting for, you know, uh, Lengle and some other guys, Umiti. Like that, like that's the way I kind of look at World Cup. But if you're an Argentine or you're a Fran- you're French or you're a German, you know it's the national team, and you're you're so locked into that because you have an actual chance to win. In basketball, it has been so out of balance with do- American dominance that there's there's kind of a leveling of the playing field about in part, you know, and it's like you can't really. Uh, it, it's not a it's not a one to one ratio. I, I get the kind of rooting the light allegiances, but because it's been so out of kilter, like how how the Australian team felt when they won that game, that exhibition game, like you know, I mean, what does this really mean? But they were going crazy in that stadium, and good for them. You know, I'm glad they feel that way. But well, like it's for a barometer US, for yeah. how basketballs come along in their country, yep. and that that's my point about why I'm not as invested in it. Like. Again, the American dominance, especially when you look at who's, you know, actually going out and trying to play like, yeah, I think we all know that if the best players from America actually played, that that dominance would continue. So I'm just not invested in maintaining that dominance, even when you don't get everybody who wants to play. But it is interesting and it is entertaining to watch these other countries put themselves up and have and have that. And I'm sure that any team that dispatched these uh, Ameri- the American team, Team USA and FIBA, felt pretty good about it anyway and, uh, and probably should have, right? So uh, you're still playing against some pretty high-level players. And, you know, even Brad talked about, and again, we're going to get to this in just a second, but he was talking with Goodman um, on that podcast about playing against other guys, you know, just in Boston. 
and you know realizing how good these players are who are the best of the best but not even necessarily you know the top 20 in the NBA even and there's such a big gap and such a big distance so when you get when you get players on, that are on these teams from other countries i'm sure depth is an issue too but when they come up and play a team like you know basically team usa celtics they got to feel good about it when they get a win because even when you're going down and not taking the top 20 you're still taking players that are pretty high up the echelon ladder so um good good stuff i'm glad to be putting that one sort of behind us and not because again i'm down on on fiba basketball at all I'm glad we're putting it behind us because that means we're just that much closer to the beginning of the season, which is where we're going to go in the second half of the show. But first, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. And my Twitter will be livening up as we get towards training camp. I'm pretty dead in the off season, the only tweets you'll find from like the last six weeks are all about sushi. And you can follow John at CSL underscore Duke, the entire CLNS media network at CLNS media, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace, youtube.com slash CLNS media, high definition and very soon full length locker room interviews and that'll be the Garden Report, baby, as well as the Roundtable and yours truly, Celtic Stuff Live. Support for Celtic Stuff Live is coming from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And boy, are you going to be glad when you uh, realize that they truly are precision-engineered precision because the last thing you want to do... And, gentlemen, I know it's happened to you. If you manscape, you've definitely got that horrible nick, and it always happens at the wrong time, right? You, you Maybe you've got a great date. Maybe you and your significant other get a night out, and, you know, you're just trying to trim that up and make sure everybody has a good time. And then the next thing you know, you're using something, uh, you know, maybe you're using a disposable razor, whatever it is. The next thing you know, you're bleeding, and uh, the night's ruined. So. <laughs> Was that the copy? No, no, no. I just, I just, it says, uh, just so you know, the copy says insert ball injury story. Oh, wow. But yeah, no, I mean, you don't want to go there. Oh, yeah, dude. Trust me. No, no, seriously. Since this came, yes. legit, legit, okay. Okay. not lying, have not had one of those injuries. And I've definitely had issues, you know, and, and oh. it was always a disposable razor in the past. We need like, to. Let's not go deep into that conversation. No, no, huh? no. That's as far as we're going. <laughs> but I will tell you, yes. landscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, which is great. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. And, you know, having had a beard when I got this kit, I definitely thought about it because the trimmer is pretty nice. It's actually nicer than the one I use, uh, you know, when I do use the beard trimmer. So, Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're going to want that. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why, why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? So 
Because you're a loyal listener of Celtic Stuff Live, you can get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code CSTUFF at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job, and your balls will thank you. Remember, as a loyal listener, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code CSTUFF. That's C-S-T-U-F-F at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com, promo code CSTUFF. Football, are you ready? Get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. Sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus reward on your first deposit and start betting on your favorite pro or college team. Bet on every spread, every total, every winner or loser. Bet on who the first starting quarterback to be benched will be. How about that one, John? Bet on who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Get the fastest odds, updates, and payouts with our new sportsbook partners, betonline.ag. Head on over there, B-E-T-O-N-L-I-N-E dot A-G, or use your mobile device to join today. And use promo code CLNS50. That's going to get you 50% as a welcome bonus with a minimum deposit of $55. That's what's required to qualify for that special bonus. Again, CLNS50, heading on over to betonline.ag. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions. So let's look forward to the season. Let's tee it up a little bit with uh, Jeff Goodman's interview with Brad Stevens. Definitely go check that out. You can get it on clnsmedia.com. You can download the CLNS Media app and find the Good and Plenty podcast right there. But, John, what do you think was the biggest nugget? I mean, we're obviously not going to, you know, the show's not going to go an hour today because we're just waiting for the meat and potatoes of the season. But it was nice to hear from the Celtics coach uh, a little bit in advance of that and what he said about Hayward and just the team working out uh, in three-on-three, can't be five-on-five, on three-on-three drills in the off season. Yeah, no, I, I thought there was a lot of good stuff there, really interesting. Of course, you know, Jeff, uh, it's good to have a, a member of the CLNS team uh, who has a great relationship with Brad, clearly, that goes back, you know, years and years. And so uh, there's a shorthand there, and, and you don't get a lot of the pat answers you usually get from Brad. So, he, you know, he was a little bit more expansive, a little bit more uh, in-depth in some of his, his talks. But I thought that really the interesting stuff was what he was willing to uncover from last year. We all know Brad's very close to the vest. And so the fact that maybe it's nothing, but maybe it is something, you know, he really just talked about how the team, how last year, the reaction to last year isn't so much about the rotations changing or personnel groupings or uh, trying to have a different uh, game plan or personnel, the really the issue is they got away from the tradition of what makes the Celtics the Celtics. You know, he kind of related his own history and going back to being in Indiana and how, you know, how you just you lived and died with the Hoosiers, you know. And we, you, me, you, all everyone listening, we do the same thing. We live and die with the Celtics. And last year was the first time in my fandom, you know, that I can sit there and say I was really disappointed on a is a different level. It wasn't like oh I thought they were going to be first or second in the East, they end up fourth. Ho hum. It there was a, a visceral emotional thing that happened with this team 
that caused, you know, you, I mean, you said numerous times, Justin, you're like, I can't watch these guys. This is awful. It you know, was it, awful. It was, it was different. It was awful. It was different this year. And I think he was, I'm so glad to hear him react to that. We've, everyone's talked about the Kemba Walker for Kyrie thing and what are the young guys going to do and how they're going to change. But he talked about the things that make you and I do this on Sunday nights for 15 years for, you know, very little uh, compensation except for when our balls get nicked or something. Um, Hold on. Man. I just want to, be really, I want to be really clear <laughs> that I don't get paid per nick. <laughs> actually, you get paid. Do I? Yeah, no, actually, we get, we I get, get paid by nick. Also. <laughs> also. <laughs> the outtakes. For the outtakes. The outtakes below the belt. Uh, yeah. Yeah, after dark. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I I think that that's the – I mean, to me, that was the big takeaway, right, is the fact that this was not just about, you know, oh, we weren't quite as good as we thought we should be. It was a thing where and, – and I thought Mike Pina and uh, and uh, um, our man on Celtics Beat, Adam Kaufman, kind of went more expansively into this, but I'm so glad people are talking about this because that was the real issue with that team. It was not that, that – Oh, we just just missed it's actually this. Actually, really great. It's actually it's about really who great. we are. Yeah, it's really great fans. that the organization can actually see through that when yes. we can't. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like we've not. Totally. Nobody has said, you know, it just wasn't very Celtics like, or you know, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody's said that, but we've all felt it. It just came came out in symptoms. Amazing that they were able to diagnose that. They diagnosed so many things with statistics. Right. They used to have the brain doctor and they would do all kinds of. But it's amazing that they were actually able to diagnose the fan base and why that team, you know, just brought up such ill will from the fan base. I mean, I've I've never seen, you know, it be look, everybody jumps on when teams don't do well and things like that. But and and there's always criticism to go around. But just the level of just, eh. You know, from everybody, it. But that was it, right there. They just didn't represent the brand well. No, and and it was, it, it, and then that creates a new compass, right? It creates a new starting point of like, look, we may not win every game, we may not do that, but we need to play with heart. We need to play together, and we need to represent ourselves and our city uh, as well as we can. And I don't. And, he never and that used... story about Jalen and Jason in Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, they were just as guilty as anybody else. Sure. Which is why I think a lot of people are kind of saying you can't totally throw this on Kyrie, but right. I still kind of feel like he's the leader. He's the leader, and what he did in response to that was sulk, instead of handling it maybe in a better way. Right. And that, and and I think Brad deserves blame too. Brad should have, you know, dropped the hammer on those guys, dropped the hammer on on the fact that Rozier wanted more minutes and wasn't getting them and was pouting about it and dropped the hammer on all those things early. You know, he's always had this approach where, you know, I think up until January 1st, we've talked patience. about it. He it's has patience. patience. Everyone gets a chance. Everyone, you know, everyone gets in the game and, you know, he, his rotations go 10, 11 deep most nights. And, and that's great. But, Bad habits formed early. Yeah, they, they needed a hard dealt. hand. Yep, they, they needed, needed that early. And I don't yep. know if it would have fixed. Truthfully, I don't know that Brad Stevens or anybody 
Red Auerbach, Phil Jackson, you name them. I don't know if anybody could have fixed this team last year, but it didn't get fixed. So either way, it didn't get fixed. But so let's. But it's in the past, and now you've got a guy, Brad Stevens, who's saying, "Look, this is where we got ahead. We don't worry about expectations. If if all these guys need to focus on is playing hard and playing together, and everything else takes care of itself." You know, and it's easy to say, I know, but I think it's a fresh slate. It's a it's a clean slate. It's a new world for these for this team, and to be able to kind of reestablish that, I think it almost lightens the expectations, which don't exist for this team, but they lighten the expectations and, they and allows do. them to kind of focus. Different expectations, not that they're not there. The new expectation is that they will be Celtic like, that they will yeah. hustle, that they but, will yeah. be scrappy, that they won't. That they won't pout, that they won't sulk, right? That that they will carry themselves with an air of winners, even when they're not winning. That that is the expectation this year. That's the thing that Brad won't survive if it doesn't correct itself this year, especially with Kyrie gone, because the scapegoat's out. It's all going at the top of the organization this year if it continues. That you can be. 100% assured of and there's still contract issues that may are going to be out there on the table so it will be something to kind of keep an eye on a couple other nuggets from that interview one was how they were calling Horford Corver uh, and the way that they were strategizing him with Embiid so that was that was really cool and you could tell that Brad is truly going to miss Horford. There's no doubt there. Uh, just, I mean, he's so emotionless, you know, almost like Belichick in a way. And uh, but he's not like that. That one part didn't resonate with me about him being so stoic on the floor. No, we definitely have seen him get fired up now. I, I think I think in his first couple of years he stayed stoic, but he's the passion is starting to come out of him as he becomes. Uh, a little more established. So that didn't resonate as 100% truthful with me anymore. I think he keeps the elation down, but when he's frustrated with the officiating or whatever, he'll definitely let that out. And when he wants the team to do something on the floor and they don't do it, he'll push. But he tries not to be, you know, a bragger. He tries to be gracious in victory, and I, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, and I think the other thing that kind of um, – Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. Definitely the Horford thing. Um, what was the other thing he said? Shoot. I knew I should have wrote it down, John. But it's 45 minutes. Everyone should listen. They have your own takes. But, yeah, it, the, other thing I, the other thing I'd say that stood out for me, um, and maybe you'll, get, maybe you'll find it, though, was, uh, of course, it, a lot of this talks about the college game because that's, that's where Brad and, and – uh, Jeff kind of, you know, they connected. Um, I thought it was interesting that he said, now his son Brady is, uh, I think he's about the same age as my son, so he's 13, 14, um, and he's almost six feet. And they, he said the only thing that worried him last year, he, you know, he didn't worry about the criticism himself. He was worried about his kids, you know. And as a dad, you know, you always think about, like, hey, was, what am I doing? Am I... Am I representing my my family well? Is are there things that I'm doing that would fall negatively upon my kids? You never want that, you know. And the, the, to have him kind of say, you know, hey, is anybody saying anything at school? Which you know, we the internet was pretty rough. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens probably gets a pass among of of, of many, but uh, you know, kids can be cruel. And he's like, no. Brady fairly told his dad, he's like, no, 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 there's no issue. So he's six feet. He's no one's gonna say anything to him because he's right, that big. Because he's one of the bigger kids in school. Yeah. Right. 
but it's kind of funny that, you know, he's got those same insecurities, those same sort of weak points that we all have of, you know, he's, he's a dad, he's a dad of kids, you know, and uh, you, you kind of forget that sometimes he's not just a, a character, your favorite character on the, the TV show you watch 82 times a, a year, you know? So uh, that, I thought that was kind of, kind of funny and, and kind of brought home uh, what he's doing, but uh, it was a great interview. I, I really loved it. And, uh, you know, hopefully I, the other, I guess the other takeaway would be, you know, will you play smaller, you know? And I thought he really talked about the tools of each one of his bigs really being different uh, and, you know, Tice can... Well, that's what really things. led into that Horford piece. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that was good because there's a lot, a lot of talk about will they go small? You see Jalen at the five, and, of course, he did defend Gobert uh, at the five in times. It looked pretty... He and he and Smart looked pretty good doing it, and, and, and I think short spells. But can they, can they sustain it over the long haul? I think we'll have to wait and see. But I thought... I saw, you know, he's going to try try a lot of things with this group. Uh, Cantor being, I guess, in the lead of those guys, but they are. Um, I think he's going to. He feels very good about the five he has. So, what attitudes, what sort of expectations outside will come in? That that to me in two weeks will be really fascinating. Those like opening day of training camp interview sessions they have on Celtics.com. I think it'll be really interesting because you, we want to see, like, what's their mindset going into it? Probably more so than any training camp I can remember. How are these guys talking? What do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish? Um, are they talking about individual goals? Are they talking about team goals? Yeah, I, and I'd say secondarily to that, before we wrap here, just a little add-on, that uh, Gordon Hayward's physical condition, his aggressiveness on the floor, mm-hmm. his ability to, to get to the rim – and then making him a three-level scorer again who can also play, make, and create for others. That That is such a huge thing for me this year. And he did talk about Gordon staying in Boston and really you know, committing to training and the off-season program. So I'm really excited to see that because I think that could be an X factor. I think that could be a mitigating, not an entirely mitigating because of the way the front court is developed, but I think it could be a mitigating factor that really evens the playing field from the performance of last year and this year, it might be a heck of a lot more level than really a drop-off, even with the loss of Horford. So we'll see. But this broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Hortfeld, thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias. Sammy! Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition. I know why you're laughing. Of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. I don't... I think we did the outtake already. I don't know, you know... I think we are an outtake. <laughs> this off season is definitely an outtake. It's a one big like yeah, commitment to just coming on here and 
saying something for the sake of saying something. Yes, keep listening. It's weird. I yeah, I'm ready. We I'm did ready. get some sushi engagement, but it was delayed. Do you know what I mean? We had like well, the sushi outtake two or three weeks ago, but then I saw I saw Mike reached out to you and said yep. the next time you and the wife come through New York City, and the and then we got the post where there was a Philly roll Philly right roll. there in what Quincy, right? Quincy, that was yeah. Quincy. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, I, I I I was a naysayer. I was a doubter, and uh, I I stand corrected, Justin. My uh, my deepest apologies for not respecting the role. Uh, still not going to eat it. Still not going to eat it. No, you should uh, you know, That's one of the well, best. Like, that's what's crazy. Like, I don't know. Sushi. That's why Mike said he, you can't get out of that. Like, you know, he's going to put you in a headlock and make that one. It's, <laughs> got, it's got cream cheese in it. Like, it's a tough one to just pass on. It's like a staple. When it comes to sushi, the Philly roll is like a staple. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure it's salmon, like a smoked salmon. And uh, and cream cheese, it's delicious. That just seems I, I don't know I you know but that's a it's a bagel thing. There's locks and you know bagels and locks and the whole thing. Like I I get that, but I don't know. I just the raw. Fish You're already thing. softening in your stance. This is beautiful. I am. It's gonna am. happen. This is gonna happen. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I even got an email ultra. about what a baby you are too. By the way. Really? Yeah, like John's kind of a baby. Like, how has he not had sushi yet? My sushi's the bomb. Yeah, people say this. I, you know, look, I'm. I, I don't like. I may things. be paraphrasing a little bit, but it's worth it for the outtakes. Wow, wow. Okay, no, I get it. I get it. Look, I just <laughs> think that raw fish just seems like a weird thing to eat. Feels like you should cook things and make sure they're, you know, bad things are cooked out of them. You know, we throw a whole bunch of, like, trash in the sea, and then these fish are eating that trash, and then you're eating the fish. But that seems concerning. Although I eat beef, and beef probably eat grass that has been treated with Roundup. So, you know, who the hell knows? We're all we're all going to die sometime, I guess. But, geez, that's, yeah, that's insane. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm a little, dodge, little dodgy on that. That's, you know... And also, partly, I've been reading the stuff that Windhorst and Joe Varden of the, uh, um, I don't know, whatever, he covers the calves, but, he oh, athletic. And he's, like, talking about what he's been eating while they're over in China. Like, chicken feet. Chicken feet. Not chicken feed. Chicken feet. Like, actual, Just like, keep in mind that, yeah. That yeah, seems yeah. a little nuts. I don't know. Well, I could there's use lots of There's lots of food like that overseas. But, you know, this is this is a pretty easy one. I, I wouldn't make that association. I don't know. No, sushi. I know. I just look at the this plate. Is regular fish, dude. Regular old fish. I eat haddock. I eat shrimp. A lobster. Maybe a scallop here and there. Crab. You know. What about uh, oh, what about haddock? Again. Oysters. No. Why will you not eat oysters? Well, again, it's. A raw fish. That's oh, so good, dude. And the town I work in is like oysters are huge. It's a big thing. And I am. How mu- I wonder how much they cost there. I wonder if you're getting them because you're right there off the boat. Oh, you yeah. For like buck a shock or. Like literally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like literally like some of the best in the world are like literally a stone's throw from where I work. 
Um, but I don't do it because it's raw and it's like, it's just like this gelatinous thing that you just, nope, that just, that doesn't seem right. I don't know. Sorry. I'm sorry, internet. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'll try, I'll try harder. That's all I can do. You just have to try. You haven't tried. There's no trying harder. Trying harder is actually having a bite. All right. Listen. Do or do not, there is no try. Exactly. <laughs> you, you spun the Yoda quote around kind of backwards, but 100%. All right. So now that we've discussed sushi and Star Wars. You're welcome. And Yoda. Yep, there it is. If you're still listening. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> you're so welcome. <laughs> 